416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the contact anytime uh, during the next hour over the course of the show or anytime outside of show hours as well to get a hold of Savannah on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. A lot of stuff to get through today. We'll get to uh, two cases in the week that was before we uh, dive right into the injury calculator, which is an amazing little tool you guys created a couple years ago. But first, uh, the week that was. Right, John. And before I delve into some cases that I think people should um, should hear about so they can learn some lessons that may be applicable to them or people they know, just want to mention that uh, as a result of, uh, of this show, as well as Lior's show, a lot of people have been contacting us uh, over the last few years. And the number is only increasing because we are putting all this great information out there. And, you know, we're very approachable. And as a result, uh, I'm just going to put it out there and say that, uh, you know, if you're listening to the show, uh, if, if you would like to join our team, we're looking for people uh, that can help speak with individuals who call us. Uh, we call those uh, individuals or the position uh, a client intake representative, intake, yeah. right? Very, very important. Uh, very, It's actually a crucial position at our firm. So, you know, if you have what it takes, if you're personable, you speak well on the phone, by all means, contact me, uh, send me your resume, and I'll put you in touch with our HR manager. So let's get into uh, t- to the substance of the show. And I'm going to start with a long-term disability case. Uh, this is uh, this is an interesting case because you know, this is a lady who's been listening to the show for quite a while, and I actually met her for the first time last week. We've been in touch over email over the last few months. She is on long-term disability. She hasn't been cut off, uh, but just a very, very pleasant lady, intelligent lady who occasionally had questions and would shoot me emails and would always be surprised that I would be emailing her two minutes later after receiving the email, even if it was right. at five o'clock in the morning uh, or on the weekends. So, you know, sh- she's in her late 40s. Um, I'm going to call her Karen. Uh, her name starts with K. It's not Karen, but that's what her name starts with. Uh, she suffers from vertigo as well as some other oh. issues. And long story short, she can't work at this point. Uh, now, she hasn't been cut off, as I said, but she wanted to, you know, to, to, to speak to me and to get some advice on, on certain issues that have come up. So let's talk about some of those issues, because a lot of people on long-term disability probably go through these issues and have questions. Uh, one of the issues are that she has an ENT. She has a specialist, and that specialist is pushing certain medications, a particular medication that she doesn't want to take uh, for a variety of reasons that make her ill. Uh, it's it's just not the right medications. Bad side effects. And right. So it's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And she just doesn't want to take it. And the problem is, or, or the issue that she's raising is, well, is the insurance company going to cite me for non-compliance? Because remember, one of the obligations that people have on long-term disability is to comply yep. with their doctor's recommendations, uh, which, you know, is common sense. Uh, but there are issues. It's not always black and white. And what I, I told her and what I explained is that, look, if a medication or a treatment that's being offered or recommended doesn't sit well with you, it's just not for you, voice that, ask for alternatives. Mm-hmm. That's key. And oftentimes doctors will provide alternatives. I mean, you don't usually have just one medication for a particular ailment. Uh, and, and you know what? At the end of the day, if that doctor is being inflexible, if they have that God complex, get a second opinion. And that may happen here, in fact. Uh, she may end up going to another person, another ENT, maybe even two other ones, right. uh, just to speak with them and see what they say. So that's the first issue, non-compliance and how do you deal with, you know, if, if you can't uh, follow the recommendations that are set out. Second issue, 
She's being treated by various treatment providers. So it wasn't just an ENT, it's also a psychologist, a psychotherapist, a physiotherapist, and a family doctor. So she has a whole range team. of issues, a whole team. And the question was, well, do I only need one letter from the ENT in support of my disability, or should I you know, get a team approach here? And my advice is this. If you are being treated by various treatment providers, get as many of them as you can to write letters or reports to the insurance company supporting your disability because each one of them is going to speak from their expertise. Yeah, from, from their, it, case, Exactly. Right? Yeah. It provides a complete picture. Yeah. And that's absolutely key. And not only is it key, it creates a situation where the insurance company has more difficult time cutting you off, more difficult time saying, well, you're not really disabled or we don't have enough documentation. Why? Because suddenly you have four letters from the four different specialists or treatment providers as opposed to just one, nice. okay? So there's strength in numbers. Uh, another issue that has come up, uh, no one can exa- identify exactly what is, the, what is the, the root cause of the constellation of symptoms she's experiencing. And I've had this happen before. In fact, I had a case that we spoke about a few months back where uh, I had a lady with significant cognitive difficulties, okay, major, major mental issues. No one could figure out what was going on. She went to a whole bunch of different experts at Sunnybrook, at Mount Sinai, right. at various places. No one could figure out. And the insurance company had cut them off, uh, cut her off. Her mother ended up calling me. I met with them uh, out, out west, uh, and we started a claim, and that claim settled, you know, I'm not going to say exactly for what, but it was uh, over $300,000. And this is, you know, the insurance company took the position, we don't know what's wrong with you, so therefore we're going to cut you off. No, they cannot do that. The test as to whether or not you qualify for long-term disability is whether or not you are totally disabled. That's almost uh, um, uh, common, uh, you know, throughout all the policies. That's, that's something that is just ingrained in LTD policies. Can you do your own job in the first two years, can you do any job for which you're suited for? Pretty much universal, right? Right, by yeah. training, education, or experience. So not knowing what the root cause does not mean you're not disabled. Okay, we have to look at your policy, but most policies that I deal with, uh, in fact, I would say all of them, uh, simply the test is, are you totally disabled from doing your job or any job for which you're suited for? Uh, and the fact that there is no root cause is not a cause for the insurance company to cut you off or deny you. And other issues that had come up uh, was whether or not she could work uh, on modified duties. And if you want, I can take uh, I can speak about that when we come back from you break. Bet. We'll take a, a short break. In the meantime, you need to get a hold of it's four one six two one six fifty nine ten, and the email once again is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here, Talk Radio AM six forty. The number is four one six two one six fifty nine ten. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savan any time of day. Well, he's got to sleep a little bit, but generally any time of day you're there. Uh, the week that was. We're in the middle of that two cases. Case number two before we get to the injury calculator. Actually, let's just finish off with case number one, the right. LTD case. Uh, so this is the lady who, who is in her uh, late 40s uh, who hasn't been cut off long-term disability but uh, had a bunch of questions for me. Good questions, and too. Excellent questions. Yeah. And we met last week uh, face-to-face and we spoke about them for about an hour. So one of the other issues that have come up, and she's asked me, and this has come up a lot, is whether or not um, what's going to happen to her case if... She can work, she can go back to work, to her own job, mm-hmm. on modified duties, right. right? So not full-time duties, but modified, but do, you know, significant portions of her job, but her employer doesn't have the ability to provide that to her, right? Accommodate. Accommodate, exactly. Now, there's an employment aspect here that Lior right. can talk about on the employment hour, but from an LTD standpoint, long-term disability, keep in mind that the test as to whether you qualify for LTD is, are you totally disabled? 
Are you unable to do substantial parts of your job? Okay. If you say that you can actually go back to modified duties, meaning you can do significant portions of your job, but your employer just simply doesn't have the ability to provide that to you, that's not the insurer's problem. And oftentimes, if you tell the insurance company, well, yeah, I can go back uh, to to doing most of my job. I just need some modifications, but the employer doesn't have uh, that job for me. The insurance company is going to turn around and say, okay, well, we, we're going to cut you off. Yep. That's good enough for us. And, and you know what's, what, 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 what I've actually seen happen is people who are on disability go to their doctors, be it their family doctors or specialists, and those doctors put on, on paper that this person can go back to their job on modified duties. That letter gets sent to the insurance company. Insurance company then turns around saying, well, based on this letter, it seems like you can, based on this letter, you're not totally disabled. Right. Clearly, you can go back. Yeah. Remember, totally disabled. The word totally. And uh, and what happens is that then they're stuck. Insurance company cuts them off, and the employer is not accommodating them. So we then have to then deal with both issues. And, of course, we have employment lawyers and disability lawyers, so we can deal with both issues, but you don't want to be in that situation, so just be right. careful of that, okay? What generally happens in that case? Well, in that case, we first of all, we have to figure out are they really able to do the modified right. work? Oftentimes, the doctors or the individual thinks that they may be able to do it. And that's not the same thing as being able to do it. Yeah. So we have to really drill down to figure out if the person really is ready. Keep in mind, maybe the person wants to try to go back to work, which is great, fantastic. But in the event that uh, the employer cannot offer accommodation, right. well, then we have to get one of our employment lawyers to look at it to see, well, is the employer really... Uh, unable Stuck. to, or they yeah. just don't want to. Okay. But, you know, I would be dealing with the disability case, cool. trying to drill down as to whether or not they would still qualify for LTD. One, the employment lawyer would be dealing with the employer here and perhaps even intervene and make sure that accommodation is provided. Awesome. The last issue with this case is, is this, and we found this out a bit later in the conversation. She's unionized. Now, how does unionization right. affect LTD cases? Well, Keep in mind that when you are unionized, it means that there is a collective agreement that governs the relationship between the employees and the the um, uh, employer. Well, some of these collective agreements, even though they deal with salaries, they deal with vacation, a whole bunch of stuff like that, they may also be dealing with long-term disability. Collective agreements have provisions that say that to the extent that there is a dispute of any issue that's in the collective agreement... That has to be grieved. There's a grievance process. There's an arbitration process, right? You can't just have a lawyer from the outside like me or Lior intervening. Well, if the collective agreement doesn't talk at all about LTD or or talks very little, I mean, there's a a bit of a gray area here, then we could potentially say, well, no, we as lawyers who deal with disability, we can deal with the, the LTD insurer even though you are unionized. But if the, L, if the collective agreement specifically deals with LTD, they talk about exactly what you should be getting, everything, and the LTD insurer cuts you off, you may be stuck having to have the union lawyer have to help you like because we, you got it, because yeah. we are not able to step in. So again, it doesn't mean that there is no recourse if you're unionized. It just means that we have to look at your collective agreement uh, and, and then tell you if, in fact, we can help or not. And in most cases, we can help, but it's always important to take a look at the collective agreement to figure out if, in fact, we are able to step in, deal with the insurance company directly, and and uh, try and resolve the case for you. This is why it's so important. You can't just take care of this stuff on your own. It just does not work. No, it's, it's it doesn't. It's a minefield. You will not be able to, to, to track through. Right. And, the, you know, John, the problem is that not only... It, 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 does it have all these all these minds? It's a minefield, as you put it. But oftentimes, when people try to do it, 
they create so many problems for themselves. They've messed up the field to right. such an extent that for us to repair it, it's, it's, it's just, it's a nightmare. It's uh-huh. a, and oftentimes when I have people coming to me after they've tried to navigate the system, if, if it's too far into it, I'll simply say, I'm not stepping in there. I'm sorry. Go find another lawyer. I'm not yeah. going to do it because I know I'm going to do a disservice to you. The damage has been done. The right? damage has been yeah. done. Exactly. So, so, so crucial to, to do what this lady that I met with last week did, which is just contact me. Even if you have that gut feeling, yep. like something is going to happen with your LTD insurer, that you are still getting LTD, but you know, and we'll your talk about that later. Says something's going to go down soon. Yeah. Right? yeah. Contact us. Contact yeah. me. Speak with me. Trust me, we will give you the information you need. And, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we have enough answers to, to at least put you on the right course. You want to get a hold of, we'll take a, a quick break. Lots more to go here. The number is 416-216-5910. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to our second week that was a case, get into the injury calculator, and dive over to some emails as well as they come through. During the course of the show, this is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're in the middle of the week. That was portion of the show. What else uh, came across your desk this week, my friend? All right, let's talk about uh, another uh, case that I came across. This is a car accident case. And this is a, a gentleman uh, who, he's 26 uh, years old. And again, listen to the show. And you know, at the end of our conversation, we had about a half an hour conversation on the phone this week. He, he said to me, you know, uh, I started listening to you after I had already retained the law firm I was with. Um, and, and so, you know, in hindsight, it's too bad because I, I would have, you know, been glad to have you and, and right. your team represent me. But, it, you know, it is what it is. The reason he called me is for essentially a second opinion or at least just to run a few things by me. So let me give you some facts. So 26 years old uh, guy in an accident in September of 2014, almost two years ago. Uh, and he is currently with another firm. Uh, he was on the 401 when a transport truck did an illegal lane change and caused the car accident. He slammed into the truck and his car sprung around and hit the guardrail. A serious accident. Injuries to his head, jaw, uh, neck, uh, shoulder and back. Uh, now, on the date of the accident, he was working as a general laborer. And he, in fact, missed about three months off of work. His car was written off. He had about five or six thousand dollars, and I think he got uh, for it. And now he's employed as an accountant, as a, as a junior accountant. Okay, and he was going to school for that at that time. But he's got constant headaches. He's got issues relating uh, to 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 you know his his ability to retain information. He's he's having focus issues, concentration issues, memory issues. Uh, he suffered the concussion. Uh, in fact, he sought help for that. And, uh, you know, he, he has modifications at work right now uh, with his seat. He has to take uh, numerous breaks. He even told me that if I were to look into his employment file, he, he, you know, that I would actually see notations about the issues that he's experiencing from a focus and, and attention to detail uh, standpoint. The law firm has a paralegal. They employ a paralegal, which is absolutely fine. We have paralegals as well. Um, I've said it before, you know, that the fact that it's a paralegal doesn't mean that uh, there's anything wrong with that. Some paralegals are much more... Um, I would say equipped to handle cases than some lawyers that I know. Uh, but this particular paralegal is handling his accident benefit side. Now, we spoke about this before. You are in a car accident. You are injured. Not your fault. There are two sides to the personal injury claim that you have. One is with your insurance company called an accident benefits claim. And the other one is the tort side, right? It's against whoever was responsible for the accident and their insurance company. 
So he was, this is where, when we started the discussion here, was the uh, first major red flag that I saw. Remember we spoke about how under the law that we currently have, um, or, or back then at least when he had the accident, if you didn't uh, break anything, if you didn't tear uh, anything, if you didn't suffer a brain injury, things you know of that nature, you would be categorized under the accident benefits regime as being in the minor injury guidelines, the MIG, the MIG exactly. And what does that mean? It means that you have around 3,500 bucks for treatments, which is nothing. If you are outside of the MIG, if your injuries are more serious, you're entitled to a lot more than that, mm-hmm. a lot, okay? Uh, so what was the first major flag here, a uh, red flag? And, and it wasn't just to me, it was to him as well. That's why he's calling me, is, is when he spoke with the paralegal, and apparently the paralegal um, wasn't actually aware that he was outside of the MIG. Can you imagine that, John? The person who is uh, representing him and dealing with his wow. accident benefits file is not aware that he's actually uh, categorized as outside of the MIG. And, you know, people out there, just, just so you understand, I'll give you an example. This is like a doctor treating you for a heart condition and not realizing that you're having a heart attack. Right. I mean, it's just, what's the point? Uh, the second issue uh, that I identified, and this is, again, uh, a little pet peeve of mine, is this. The tort claim hasn't started yet, even though he contacted his law firm shortly after the accident in 2014. It's almost two years. You got it. And they just recently had a conversation with him about the tort claim. Remember, I, I, and I've said this many times before, there is no reason to wait until, you know, almost the last day of the limitation period, the two-year limitation period to start a claim. There are risks with that. Yeah. The first risk is that you could potentially miss the limitation period and then you're up against, you know, an argument that, well, you have no right to make a claim because you're past the limitation period. Uh, the second issue is, is that, and this is an issue I, I would assume more for the, the individual, the client, as opposed to the lawyer, because these lawyers usually handle a ton of cases, so they have a lot of cases on the go. Because they started this case, or starting this case almost two years later, it means that now the case is that much more delayed, right? There's no reason yeah. why they didn't start the case, let's say, a year after the accident. And yes, this is, you know, it's subject to the lawyer deciding when is the right time, and I'm not going to say that every case needs to be started uh, a month after the accident, uh, uh, you know, a year after the accident. But, you know, it's also not a rule of thumb or, or incorrectly um, uh, done by some lawyers and some law firms that uh, they wait until almost the last minute to issue a claim. So for me, again, that's a red flag. Uh, that's a personal thing for me. I, I like to start claims as soon as possible because that means that they resolve that, qu- that much quicker. The third issue identified... And, and this really, you know, made me upset because it's completely incorrect. And any lawyer out there that deals in this area of law is going to, you know, nod their head when I say this. Uh, the lawyer here told uh, this individual that, you know, even though you're experiencing these cognitive issues and, and, and these issues with, with uh, uh, you know, your back and your neck and all that, the MRIs are not showing objective evidence. We're not seeing these things on the yeah. imaging. We're not seeing anything okay. on the x-rays. We're not seeing... And so, therefore, that means that, that, you know, there are significant problems with your case. I'm going to talk a bit more about that when we come back from the yeah, break, absolutely. John. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Get a hold of Savannah anytime. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll wrap up the week that was before we uh, get into uh, 
A lot more things here in the insurance and injury law show. So car accident, tort claims, all kinds of stuff going on there. That's right. Big bowl of wrong. Exactly. We're talking about this 26-year-old who was in an accident in September 2014 who was with another law firm and is calling me for a second opinion to run some things by me. So the third issue that we just spoke about before the break was uh, that the lawyer was telling him that because uh, his impairments or the injuries that he's complaining of don't show up on an MRI or a CAT scan or other objective imaging... Uh, means that uh, his case is extremely problematic. That's bull. That's that's really? that's nonsense. Now, let's think about this from a common sense standpoint, John. Uh, if you're telling me that you have a headache, does that mean I'm going to necessarily see something on an MRI? No. If I do exactly, it doesn't. Uh, if you have back pain, does that mean I'm going to see something on an X-ray? Not necessarily. No. That's right. So the fact that you are experiencing impairments that can't be seen by our current medical equipment doesn't mean that you're not experiencing these things. And and that's, you know, believe it or not, despite the fact that insurance companies may, you know, argue until they're blue in the face, figuratively speaking, that, you know, well, you're not injured because we can't see anything on an MRI. Trust me, they don't believe it. They understand very well. And in fact, we've had tons of court cases where judges have said, you know, this argument that if you don't see something objectively on an MRI or an X-ray or an ultrasound, that means it doesn't exist. That's absolute nonsense. It's crap. Okay. So. Um, when he told me that that's what the lawyer was saying, I, I told him that's not, that's wrong, that's wrong. What, what it means, what it means is that there is an argument that the insurance company can put forward to try and rebut your claim, but if, if you think that the insurance company is going to say that your claim is worth zero because they can't see anything on an MRI, that is nonsense. Get that cut and dry. No, in no. fact, not only that, what do you do with cases where you have psychological issues? It's not right. even a physical injury. Those cases can easily be in the tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds and even millions of dollars because a person can get psychologically uh, uh, injured to the point of being almost catatonic. Yeah. You know, we have hospitals for that kind of stuff. Uh, we have entire industries, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, yeah. right? So, you know, those are the issues. And of course, at the end of the conversation, he was very thankful. He, he really was happy speaking with me. And, and then I got the question, which I, I often get, yeah. well, you know, is it too late to switch, switch over teams. to you? And, and again, I'm going to say it, uh, I've said it before, I never tell anyone to switch. In fact, sometimes I tell people not to switch. I've had situation people calling me and, uh, you know, we've done these second opinions uh, and uh, I recognize who the lawyers were who were representing this individual and, and I thought that they were fantastic lawyers and I told the individual, you got to stay with those lawyers. I know that there's a communication barrier of some sort. Schedule a time to speak with the lawyer. The law firm has a great reputation. They're good. Stay with them. There's been other cases and I'll admit that, where I, I told the person after reviewing some of the documentation and, and hearing what's been going on, that I thought, my God, that lawyer law firm is negligent. It's just horrible. It, it's like seeing a doctor, you know, you hear about these uh, nightmare scenarios with dentists or doctors. Black. Yeah, you see, you got to get away from them. Uh, and, and, and I say, listen, whether it's to me or to someone else, I, whatever, choose whatever, do whatever you want to do. Just make sure that you take care of it. It's your case. So, John, what are the, the lessons to be learned from this particular case here? Well, i got three of them. Number one, if you have a case that's going on, an LTD case, a car accident case, a slip and fall case, a nursing home case, whatever, if you have a bad feeling about how your case is being handled, there is likely a reason for it. Maybe it's unfounded, but you got to check it. It's no different than if you feel like there's something wrong with you physically, and then you go to the hospital just to get it checked out or to your family doctor. It's your case. Remember that. Okay. Number two, the limitation period uh, to start your claim is fast approaching. So make sure 
that if you are with a paralegal or a lawyer, don't let them wait until the last minute to start a claim. No point. Okay, there's no point and there's no reason for it. If they are delaying starting your claim, they should tell you why they're delaying it. There has to be a good reason for that. And maybe there is, okay? But ask for it. And number three, ask questions. I'm amazed how many times people contact me who've been with their law firm or their paralegal firm uh, for a few months or a few years, and they have no clue what's going on in their case. I actually have to piece things together by asking them, you know, what's happened at this point, what's happened there. Guys, it's not difficult to to, to figure out what's, what's going on here. I mean, for me, it's not difficult. For you, it is difficult because you're not aware of the process and it looks very convoluted, right? It's like going to an accountant and asking about tax, uh, your taxes. Uh, it's actually not difficult. And, you know, the lawyers in my office always joke that what we do is not brain surgery. It's It's technical. You have to be competent, but it's not brain surgery, thank God. Okay, but... Ask questions, make sure that you know uh, what's going on uh, and, and, you know, get the advice on how to maximize the value of your case. And there are techniques to do that. And if your lawyers are not telling you that, then it's too bad because your case may settle for $50,000 when, you know, it could have settled for $150,000. And I say that also from the standpoint of someone who did defense full time in the past. You know, I would see these cases and I'd see these lawyers and some lawyers that I would have files with, I'd think, you know what? I know for for sure that they're going to maximize the value of, of their clients' claims. And other lawyers, I knew that I could probably, you know, easy prey. Easy prey. I, I, you know, my clients would be paying ten cents on the dollar in that case, but their clients would never know the difference. Right. Quickly before we uh, take a short break, let's get into the injury calculator. Love so this. that's a great tool. We've been uh, talking about it for over a year now. It's a database. It's a website. It's a free website yep. where you can anonymously go and within about twenty seconds figure out uh, what the starting point is for the value of your case. So you were in a car accident or a slip and fall, someone else's negligence, okay? Don't don't use this if, you know, you caused your own accident. Uh, but if someone else is negligent, you, you, you feel that they're negligent, and you want to know how much, you know, your broken ankle uh, is worth, quote unquote, how much the law says that you should be getting for it if you start a claim for compensation, this website uh, is essentially a compilation of a database, a legal database of cases from across Canada, where all you do is you input your age, the location of where this happened, uh, just the, the town or the city, the type of injury you suffered, the extent of the injury. And this uh, website, this tool, will shoot out a range of damages. So it'll tell you that for your ankle, for example, you may be entitled to, let's say, thirty dollars to $40,000 for pain and suffering right. only, right? Maybe you have income losses, out-of-pocket expenses from medications. No, it's just for, for, for pain and suffering. But you know, that's what most people are asking for, at least at the beginning. Uh, and a lot of lawyers are very hesitant to provide this information. But you, know, you can go yourself and, and you can click on it. And if you want to get in touch with me after... Then after, you know, after the 20 seconds when you get that right. uh, uh, range, there's a button there at the end that you can click if you want to contact me and you just input your, your number or your email, whatever it is for me to get in touch with you. And then I get an email with this information, with everything you've put in, and I can contact you directly. Injurycalculator.ca is that website. In the meantime, we'll take a quick break. 416-216-5910 and... Uh, help at the insurancelawyer.ca for contact as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked out the Injury Calculator, which we just spoke about in the last segment, that is injurycalculator.ca. And questions as well when the show is over and uh, you just want to do some 
Some questions on your own. You're thinking something came up during the show you didn't get a chance to ask. You can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. There's a drop-down menu. Chances are your question's already been asked. It'll be an answer. If not, ask it. It'll get answered uh, rather quickly. Bounce over to an email, as promised. Got to Dana from Hamilton. Says, my sister recently uh, uh, appealed her long-term disability cutoff and got rejected. Yeah, you said that appeals are useless. And I guess you were right. She wasted four months. What does she do now? Dana, uh, your sister uh, should get in touch with me immediately. Um, and you know, this is something that comes up time and time again. And people who've been listening to the show uh, know my views about appeals. Uh, insurance companies are going to take issue with me saying this, but that's the reality. I mean, who do you think you're appealing to? You're not appealing to a judge, to an arbitrator, to a third party. You're appealing to the same people who right. cut you off. So as far as I'm concerned, if you have the medical support, uh, the people who have been treating you and helping you saying you are disabled and you feel you're disabled and the insurance company is rejecting all that for whatever reason, you, you know, knocking on the door a second time is not going to, to you know, help you. It's, it's not going to uh, change their minds. Um, you know, can I say that every appeal out there that's ever been uh, uh, tried has failed? Of course not. But at the end of the day, in my experience, I'd say probably upwards of 95% of these appeals that I hear about, they're rejected. They're rejected and, they're, and, and a lot of time is wasted. And here's the thing. Not only is, is, is the, the time wasted, uh, Dana, but uh, this is, these are four months now that your sister didn't have any income, no right. money that's coming in. So she's just delayed the resolution of the claim by four months. There was no reason for that. Uh, so please have her give me a call. Anyone out there in that situation, don't appeal, okay? I know they inv- they invite you because when they deny you, they deny. So it's a letter that comes to you, John, that says, here's why we're denying you. And oftentimes it doesn't even make sense, but they're denying you. And then at the end it says, and if you'd like to appeal, please send uh, updated uh, documentation. And sometimes they even provide you with a list of what they would like to see, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, send that to us and we'll reconsider your claim. They're not talking about how long it's going to take to reconsider, nothing. So, you know, I've had people get uh, denials of appeals within, let's say, 30 to 40 days. And then I've had people who have been dragged along for months and months and months. And in fact, I've had a lot of people after listening to the show saying, well, I've appealed but let them listen to you. And that was about three months ago and I still don't have a response. And I tell them, yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not a betting man, but I will bet, you know, right here and now uh, that the denial is going to come and here's what it's going to say. Sure. And, and I, I would tell you that 99% of the time I'm correct. Okay. Cause you've been there. You I, there. I've been there. Exactly. Right. And again, you know, you're going to have people who are not going to listen to me, who are going to say, no, 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 I'm going to appeal anyways. I don't want to go to the disability lawyer. Listen, it's your case, it's your life, it's the money that's owed to you, that's on the line, you decide what you want to do. I'm simply telling you that from my experience, and if you talk to, I think, almost every disability lawyer out there, uh, they're going to tell you the exact same thing. 416-216-5910 is the number that uh, Savannah spoke of. Let's talk about injuries. What are, quote-unquote, heads of damage in injury claims? So heads of damage are, I would say, more of a legalistic type of uh, phraseology in injury claims. So let's say we're dealing with uh, with a slip and fall. Um, a typical slip and fall that I have in the office, a person, let's say, again, broke their ankle, we talked about that, and the person has have, uh, have had difficulties, has have, had difficulties uh, uh, with, with work after the, the fall, and maybe they had to get a neighbor to help them mow the lawn, uh, clear the snow, maybe they had to have family members help with various things around the house. So what are heads of, the, what can you claim? That's the question. When I'm negotiating with the insurance company, how do I begin the negotiation where well, there has to be a structure of some sort? 
th- that structure takes uh, the place of heads of damage, meaning categories. So what does the law in Ontario and in Canada, frankly, allow you to ask for, to recover for compensation for an injury when someone else is at fault? Well, uh, we clearly have pain and suffering. That's yep. what everyone focuses on. We call, those, right, we call that general damages. It's just the, the legal name for it. Uh, and keep in mind the fact that um, you know you, you have you have uh, this category of damage doesn't necessarily mean that it precludes you from other heads of damage. So, right. you know, you can have uh, chronic back pain and get you know let's say fifty thousand dollars for it. That's not fifty thousand dollars for that plus the fact that you can't work. That's just for your pain and suffering. Right. So that goes to the point of the injury calculator.ca uh, tool. That's what it gives you. But what happens, for example, if you are suffering economic losses? Well, there are various kinds of economic losses. Maybe you can't go back to work at all. Well, listen, if you were making $30,000 a year and you can't go back, you're losing $30,000 a year. Uh, But maybe you are able to go back to work, but you're working with limitations, significant limitations and modifications. So you're not actually on paper losing money, right? You're still making the $30,000, but your position now is, is, is in a precarious position because you could potentially be fired, because you can't perform the way you did before. Perhaps if you lose your job, you're going to be disadvantaged. I was going to say competitive advantage is no longer there, you right? got You got it. Got, yeah. Exactly. And that's called a loss of competitive advantage in the workplace. Absolutely. Maybe you're going to retire early now. Maybe you're 61 and you were injured. And as a result of this, you can probably work for one or two years. I have a lot of cases like that. But then you know what? Because of the injury, you just can't do it. I have yeah. a case right now for a nurse that's been a nurse for over 30 years, and she just took early retirement. So in fact, that loss crystallized because she actually act, acted on the right. early retirement. And, and, and you know that's huge because if you're a nurse and you're a senior nurse and you're making, let's say, 80, 90 grand a year, right. and you just stop working two years earlier, just do the math, just on the income loss. It's a lot of coin. You got it's a lot it, exactly. Of cheddar. What happens if you're dealing with a case where uh, you know, you, you're know you working two jobs, full-time and a part-time, and now you can't do the part-time? Yeah. Again, do the math. So you know you have all these categories, and there's many other categories. There's uh, what if you need medical rehabilitation? What happens if uh, you're paying out of pocket for your medications? What happens if you need uh, certain modifications at home to the toilet seat, to the shower? Walk your dogs. All that kind of exactly. You're incurring costs, right? right? You're out of pocket for those things. Uh, So you know, when we come back from break, I'll talk a a, a bit more about this because there's a lot of misconceptions out there, and people don't understand what actually they can claim when they're injured. Heads of damage. That's what we're talking about. In the meantime, the number four one six two one six fifty nine ten and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. A few more minutes left here in this hour on Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910, Savan's number, his email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're talking about heads of damage. Heads of damage, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about what you can be claiming or what your lawyer should be claiming if they're negotiating uh, with the insurance company for your injuries. So we talked about general damages, which yep. are pain and suffering. Uh, we talked about uh, some economic losses like... Uh, uh, actual income losses, as well as loss of competitive advantage in the workplace, early retirement, uh, medical rehabilitation expenses. Right. Perhaps you need to go to a physio clinic and maybe you have through benefits at work, 500 bucks a year for physio. But that ain't going to do it. It's not going to do it. You yeah. need, let's say, you know, $3,000 worth. Well, who's going to pick up the difference? You know, that's something you can advance. 
Uh, and, and you know, what happens if you have family members, we talked about that before, who are helping you at home? Perhaps now uh, your father or your mother is helping you with babysitting because, you know, you need help or shopping or things like that. Well, under Section 61 of the Family Law Act, they can make a claim as well uh, for the services they're providing uh, to you. So, you know, it's extremely important to be able to to quantify and to categorize all the damages in, in every one of these types of claims, because if you don't, you are literally leaving money on the table. And I'm telling you, I, I've seen cases where uh, the lawyer hasn't advanced. When I was doing defense work, I had one particular case where I, I knew that the individual had spent enormous amounts of money modifying their home right. uh, because it came up uh, through uh, the questioning process, the discovery process. And, you know, believe it or not, that that whole amount, and I think it was in the vicinity of $20,000 of modifications, uh, th- that th- that was not advanced. Was advanced. We never even wow. dealt with it at the mediation. So so when we settled the claim, I told my insurer client, I said, you just saved $20,000. It's absolutely crazy. So it's extremely important. I had a case, I think I mentioned this before, possibly on a different show, uh, where I had a client uh, who tore his shoulder as a result of a head-on collision, car accident, uh, great guy. And what I found out uh, through the, the claim process is that he was in the process at the time of the accident of finishing his basement. Yes, that's right. Remember I spoke about yeah. that? And in fact, he had half of his basement completed. And he said, Sivan, he says, I have a shoulder tear. I can't, I, I can't do it. Can't I, I just, hammer, you got it, exactly. So, so he said, what can we do? Well, I said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get three companies to quote you on finishing the basement. We're going to deduct the materials because the materials you would have had to incur anyways. But the labor, we're going to claim. We're going to take an average of all three, assuming they're in the same ballpark, and advance that. And guess what, John? We had, we had success with that. I mean, in addition to everything else we, we were able to recover for him, the insurance company had absolutely no way of denying that because it was directly related to the fact that he was injured. And, and so very, very important to make sure that all these heads of damage, these categories of, of losses are advanced and that the insurance company is aware of them because once they're aware of them, uh, then through the negotiation process, you can recover for them. We're getting down the last couple minutes here. Let me ask you this. So you mentioned, you know, maybe family or friends having to come in, walk the dog, shovel your driveway, do other stuff. I mean, how do you, you can claim for them, but should you start, you know, get an Excel spreadsheet and pay on paying them this much an hour, this much a day to come in and do this? Should you keep records? Do you yeah. have to keep records? Records are key here. Absolutely. Right. Just like I, I emphasize all the time that when you're injured, you need to continue going to your doctor or treatment providers because this documentary trail is absolutely crucial. Insurance companies often uh, put more emphasis on that than what you say, because right. frankly, John, you can say anything. But if we look back you know, for the last year or two, and we see no notations anywhere of you going to the doctor and you're telling me you're in so much pain for the last two years, it doesn't jive. Yeah. But if they saw, you know, 10 notations a year at least, uh, then, then, yeah, then they'll say, okay, well, it makes sense. By the same token, if somebody's helping you, whether it's a neighbor, a friend, someone, make sure there is a record of that. Yeah. If you've agreed to repay that person a certain amount of money for their services, make sure that's reasonable. Yeah. Don't tell me that, uh, you know, bucks an hour yes, you're, exactly. And by the way, John, I've seen those kinds of ridiculous claims. <laughs> and I told the person, don't, don't even go there. I yeah. mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't believe you. The insurance company is not going to believe yeah. you. But, but yeah, certainly if you're doing snow plying or if you're doing uh, grass cutting or help around the house, if you can keep a record, a journal, something that can, that would make sense, right. you know, don't tell me that because you have a, uh, you know, bad back pain, suddenly you need uh, someone to care for you 24 hours a day. Again, there has to be a reasonableness component to it. Yep. 
but absolutely, you should keep records, 100%. Before we uh, wrap it up, get into uh, the injury calculator one more time. Give us some details. So injurycalculator.ca, a fantastic tool for you uh, if you've been injured uh, through no fault of your own and you want to know how much your injuries potentially could be worth in quotes for pain and suffering only, exactly. Uh, It's a free tool. It's an anonymous tool. Uh, all you do is just uh, pick a few things from the drop-down menus. Uh, you tell the calculator what kind of injury you suffered, the severity of it, and uh, it shoots out at you a range of, of 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 dollar amounts that you could potentially be be looking at. So it can tell you that for your back pain, you may be entitled to forty to sixty thousand dollars. Right. And the variation is dep- depends, of course, on on various other factors. You know, the impact uh, on your daily life, on your functionality at at work. You know, things like that. At least it gives you a baseline to start with, right? It does. It gives you a baseline. And, and keep in mind, you can have pain and suffering worth $30,000, but income losses worth hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can have a broken ankle that can be valued at $40,000 for your pain and suffering, but now you can't do that heavy-duty job you used to do, and you're losing, you know, $45,000 a year for the next three years. So it's not exactly, you know, it, the calculator is there to give you a starting point, yes. to tell you how much you could be looking at for pain and suffering, but to get a more comprehensive idea of what your case is worth, that's why we have that button at the end of the calculator that you can press, and then I get that email, and then we have a conversation, we go through all the facts, and I tell you exactly what your options are. Injurycalculator.ca is that website. Check it out. Absolutely free. Takes about 30 seconds to run through it. The number 416-216-5910. We'll leave you that to get a hold of Savannah anytime, and you can always drop him an email, get a quick reply as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640.